Hey everyone, welcome to this week's Going in Circles Big Monday show. We have a big show tonight, just like every other week. Um, Barry and I have a lot of things to talk about, and we're going to talk about them. And some people are going to be upset, but uh, we don't care, because, you know, it's just what we do. Anyways, we'll be back here in uh, just a minute, and you'll see what we're talking about. Are you there? there? Yeah, I'm here. You there? I made it. I made it. All right, all right. Barely. Barely made it. We're back. Better than ever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Depends on what day of the week it is. Mondays, I'm okay. By, like, Thursday, I'm struggling. Struggle bus. Yeah. I've had this problem the whole meet during Saratoga it, because it's five days of racing. And I constantly think Thursday is Friday. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it's the second day of the week. And usually the second day of the week now is Friday. But, uh, you know, by the time I'm in tuned with it, the meet will be over. Because the meet's actually over. I know, and then it's going to be winter time, and you're going to be bundled up and two degrees out. Yeah, man. No, no. The 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 sun in Florida is already like turned to fall. You know how you know the sun like moves a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell already. I don't like that. Although fall, fall is cool for me because you know my birthday is near Halloween. But shit, that's the only only redeeming part about it did i ever tell you about the steve bick carving pumpkins oh yeah yeah that's a legendary story he's he's mr mr the great pumpkin is steve bick if you want to have like a thanks uh, not thanksgiving i well he'd be good any holiday he's up on the holidays man but if you really wanted to have like a big halloween celebration have steve bick over to your house on halloween because he will carve pumpkins like like an artist, he will be the master of ceremonies with the candy. Like Edward Scissorhands. Judging, judging the kids' costumes <laughs> and uh, keeping up banter with their 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 parents. <laughs> the best was, he said, what do you usually do on, on, on Halloween? I said, I usually turn the lights off Nothing. and I'm not home. <laughs> I usually do. I'm gonna eat the candy myself. Yeah, exactly. But... Uh, but anyways, anyway, Steve today texted me with a a food tip for Charlottesville, Virginia. He found the, one of the great fried chicken spots. Okay, that's what we need. So, I mean, these are the kind of things that uh, being friends with Mister Bick is is. These are the the residuals that you get from. Yeah, he's from got a lot of uh, regional knowledge. He has a lot of a lot of regional food knowledge. Yeah. I mean, if you're traveling throughout the country somewhere, mostly on the eastern portion, though he does make some western western visits now. Um, and you, you give him a town, he'll generally be able to come up with a spot that you should visit. So so anyways, he was at Virginia. This weekend for the Virginia Derby. No, not the Virginia Derby. Derby <gasps> coming up. Uh, the Arlington Million. The, the, the 
phony Arlington Million. The Arlington, Virginia Million. The grade three Arlington Million. Because a grade three horse won it. <laughs> what a going away too. It was a, it, that was a weird. Yeah, it wasn't even race. close. It was a blowout. He, he launched from from way downtown. That's right. He, he blew right by the other grade three horses. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, they're yeah, they're grade threes. At, yeah. at one point, a yeah. lot of those horses. At one point, were we had legit. Hope that they might become like you know, not fodder for. Uh, Whatever Euro's showing up this year. So is that the the same crew? Charlie Appleby has suddenly become... uh, uh, Applebee's, for real. Yeah, yeah, he really did. He went from four-star restaurant to Applebee's without the free free apps. So is that the crew we're going to get for the the Breeders' Cup turf? Well, we'll get those uh, Bumalodians, and we'll get the uh, the whatever Euro's. and, And now, you know, I mean... There's been a little time since they took over the world uh, this, mar- this spring, but I'm sure the Japanese will be, be planning another assault foray over here because it's on the West Coast and they feel more comfortable on the West Coast because for whatever reason. But um, Otani's on the West Coast, so maybe he'll come. But uh, they're, they're going to be an issue if they decide to start showing up for these races because they're going to win them. Lots of them because they have good horses, but um, I, I don't really know. I mean, it's like who's the best American turf horse, right? Maybe the horse of Pletcher's, the the Mark horse, but he's he had some sort of setback, so uh, he's not he's not going to make the sword dancer. That's a good question. Who is the best? Who's the the second best? I mean, the turf milers aren't bad. Um, Mikasa Creed and Annapolis. I mean, they're they're pretty good, but I mean, they've already kind of shown in the Breeders' Cup that they're that's they're not going to win. They're it. not quite <laughs> yeah, up to up to par. I'm sure, Aiden O'Brien will have somebody, and um, it just is what it is. I mean, we've I'm been just trying to think. Who, who, we've been who? talking about this for a couple of years, ever since Channel Maker won the Eclipse by winning two races. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just not a you know it's just a division that that struggles in this country yeah so bizarre yeah yes sir and it, and it wasn't always this way it wasn't always this way we used to have horses like Manila and we used to have huh. horses like Lure and, and Lure we we were the boss. You know, it's funny that that there's a a, a grade one named after four star David Saratoga, and and clearly, I'm not criticizing that at all. I mean, the horse was like a, a legendary horse at Saratoga. He accomplished everything at Saratoga. But Laura would have, you know, Laura was a much better horse than four star Dave was. Yeah, didn't every, didn't... every time they ran, Laura blew his drawers off. Didn't uh, yeah, I was gonna say didn't I shouldn't say every time, but almost every time that I can recall. Um, yeah, he's he's a, a forgotten great horse. I mean, he won two Breeders' Cup miles, and he just didn't win them. He just he dominated. destroyed. Yeah, I mean, they were they were never in doubt. It was never they were never in doubt. But um, well, yeah, nobody knows who Daryl's Joy is anymore either. No, the Daryl's Joy is now the four star Dave. 
But um, and Four Star Dave was great. He really was. Yeah, he was. It, it was some real period of time when when Four Star Dave and Four Stars All Star Four Stars All Star went yeah. to Ireland and won the Irish Derby. Yep, I remember that. Be considered relatively unthinkable that an American horse could do that. Uh, Leo O'Brien, believe it or not, you could train a horse without having seventy or one hundred and twenty or two hundred or however many. But um. Yeah, I remember he used to dominate the uh, New York Red races. Yeah, he had a. Um, I remember he, he had a bunch of of fillies by Compliance. Mm. And I think Compliance was by Northern Dancer. But um, yeah, that's when New York Reds were actually, you know, New York Reds. <laughs> they, they weren't uh, Kentucky Breds that that happened to spend. Uh, 30 days after they were born in New York before returning to Kentucky. I mean, nowadays we see mostly like the New York breads. We see a lot of, I mean, the majority of New York breads that we see at places like Saratoga are by Kentucky based stallions. They're not by New York red stallions. And um, actually I wrote a little blurb the other day about, you know, might be time to start looking into writing some New York sire races. Not a lot of them. I mean, I'm not saying that uh, you need to run them every week, but I mean, it's an eight-week meet up here, and they could probably probably run three for both sexes. They could probably run three for the boys and three for the fillies. A six for a long, a seven for a long, and a and a and a race on the on the grass. Right, and it'd probably draw a pretty good uh, field. I guarantee you, it draw a good field. <clears throat> Right, that's what I mean, and, and and it's a good betting race with the bigger field size. So I don't understand why. What's the what's the problem? Why don't well why don't do it? A lot of the thinking is, as we've talked about a time, <laughs> there's there's short sighted thinking in racing. Oh, we can't do this because no one thinks we can do this in spite of. It's always we can't do this because. And I understand people would say, well, it would dilute the regular New York Red races. Well, it, maybe it would to, a, to an extent. But those are the races that, that can probably survive the dilution. If you look at the auction maiden races, which have become really good races, I mean, those are really competitive races. You don't see three to five shots in those races. You see big fields. You see guys shipping in. Because you, you, you eliminate the advantage that the big outfits have. And that's the thing is that if you want racing to be better, and this is a, a, a just a fact, if you want racing to be better, you have got to work against Todd Pletcher, work against Chad Brown, work against Steve Asmussen, work against Bill Mott. You have to do things against their best interests. If you are, you see what, what's happening to college football. Right, there's no parity. Right, they're That's killing it. off all the other right. conferences mm-hmm. except for the big ones. And the ACC is on shaky grounds. So you got the the big, you got the SEC, you got the Big Ten, and now you got the Big Twelve. That's and it. That, and that's and that's and the the like I said, the ACC is on kind of shaky grounds, and everybody else is like is like diminished. So, you know, racing is, is the same thing that you can't expect the smaller trainers to be able to compete at, at the same level. I mean, at what point are, are the powers that be going to say, you know, 
we have got to help these people and not give them some bullshit claiming nonsense because that that winds up being the same thing anyways but the one great thing about the maiden restricted races is that you can't jam horses in there it's hard to find horses for 50,000 and under that can really really run it's not easy trust me I tried and once in a while we did find them but it's not easy to find them so if you look at a, a, a big team's roster, right, uh, Pletcher's or Chad Brown's, they've literally got a hundred horses to choose from. <laughs> when you, you take that $50,000 level and under, even those guys don't have very many of those. And why would they? It, it, it's, a, it's a game changer for that class because – it's a good purse. It's a maiden special. You don't have to risk your horse for a tag. And the smaller guys feel like they have a chance. And that's as important as anything. And that's why a New York sired race would help. Because, believe me, the people I talk to here, uh, the New York breeders, the New York owners, the, some of the smaller trainers, they just feel like every year passes, they have less of a chance to even win a race here. Just even to win a race. So you're creating a situation where they're going to feel like they have got a much better chance. They have got a goal. And breeding habits change slowly. It's not like you can breed a horse um, tomorrow and, and have them by November. It takes time. But in order to, I mean, you have, you have a, a situation where Naira just went to the politicians in New York and asked for $450 million, and they got it. Well, I think the first order of business outside of hiring people to do the contracting, to build stuff, is to beef up the New York side of the New York Bread Program. Help the farms out. Help the, the stallions in the state out. They're never going to have enough money to go out and buy a stallion that can compete with Kentucky stallions. It just, the fact of the matter is that if a stallion does good here, they usually take them. Right. And go, and they, they go there anyway. They go there anyway. <laughs> right. So it's, a, it's about attitude and it's about um, having hope. I mean, this game is built on hope from the ground up. If you're a breeder, you hope that you 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 can breed a good horse. You I mean everybody hopes they breed a Derby horse or a horse like that, but you're hoping to just get a good horse, a horse that can um, can win races. Or if you're breeding to sell, a horse that you can sell for a to, for a profit, so you don't lose money on the deal. If you're a trainer, you go to the sales or you you, you talk to owners and and you you hope that they send you horses that can run. If you're a jockey, you're hoping that your agent gets you on horses that can run. If you're sure. a better, you're hoping that you can go and, and, and solve the puzzle and, and make profitable bets. I mean, everybody's hoping. You have to have some hope. When you lose hope, then you lose people. I mean, there's nothing that makes you lose people quicker than, than losing hope, even faster than money. Owners know this is a very difficult business to make money in especially on the smaller side. 
because the expenses for uh, a, a 10-claimer are, hell, sometimes they're more than expenses on a good horse. The groom, you, you, you don't pay your groom less because the horse he's taking care of isn't, isn't you know, isn't, isn't a good horse. You don't pay the rider less. You know, the feed is the same. It's not like you get the feed store, you know, you go to the feed store and they have, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the five-star restaurants for the, the steak horse and you, you go to McDonald's for the, the cheap ones. I mean, the feed's the same. I mean, it's just about hope. I mean, this game is a game built on hope, not on common sense. Because if you had any common sense, who would do this? <laughs> and I think that's the thing that's missing. And, and when you crunch numbers, that you have got to, to realize that there is a human component. And if you go to the state and you ask for a half a billion dollars, in my opinion, you, you should also at least throw a bone to the people here. Yeah, I mean, that that seems only logical that they would bolster what programs they got for the state with that money. Well, how, how no. can you compete with a stallion here? How you can can't. you compete? And they got rid of breed back rules. They used to have rules where you could breed out of state stallion, but then the next year you had to go to a, a an in-state stallion and you know, those rules I mean, don't exist or been relaxed to the point where it doesn't matter. And, you know, you, you need to support the actual state breads. At well, some they, point, at some point, someone's going to say, hey, Kentucky trainers with Kentucky stallions and non-New York owners are winning a lot of our state bread races. <laughs> and is that really... What, what we were looking for, and I'm not talking about an in racing person. I'm talking about some sort of anti racing politician. Just like when an anti racing politician in Pennsylvania um, kind of tried to throw cold water on the Pennsylvania Derby because uh, I think a Godolphin horse won. <laughs> they said, oh well, you know the money's all flowing to to rich Middle Eastern uh, uh, tyrants or something. You know what I mean? So it's right. Don't give them any ammo. Don't I mean, give them any ammo. And, and by the same <laughs> token, throw the people a bone. It can it can work. Believe me, it, it can work. Well, I, you know, my my question and, and I, you know, I'm sure you're sick of me asking you this. It's just like I don't understand how those things got away from from, you know, that that's like what I talk about, the control, the controllables that that seems to me like it's something that you know, obviously the entity has full control over, but just don't do it anymore. And I don't understand how we lost our way in that regard. And it seems like a lot of things in the industry have gone that way, just kind of fell by the wayside. Nobody was paying attention or they just didn't want to do it anymore. Or they felt like, you know, it, it just wasn't making the money. I don't know what it was, but a lot of these things seem to be defunct and there's real no reason why well one of the problems we have and this is something that you and i personally talk about a lot is that uh it's a reactionary business which is a terrible way to proceed in this market it's a terrible way um nothing ever gets done until there's a problem 
And a lot of times the solutions are bad. <laughs> um, I'll give you, you know, just an example of something that may be a little bit trivial in some ways, but it's just, it's a good example of an archaic process that, that persists despite it not really accomplishing anything. Uh, you look at the weights for allowance raises in a lot <laughs> of places where yes. uh, we complain that the, the trainers don't run their horses back quick enough, right? They, they take two months between races or three months between races and this and that. And you look at allowance race and a, and a horse that broke his maiden uh, three weeks ago runs in an allowance race and they carry more weight because they won recently, which is how things in 1985 were. That's how it operated. Trainers ran back horses quick when they were in good form. If you gave your horse a, a quote-unquote layoff, that was usually a, a, a bad sign. Well, everything's backwards now. So now you, you need guys to run back quick, but you're penalizing <laughs> them two pounds because they won a race recently. Which makes no sense. It makes no sense. It's backwards. It doesn't need to be. It's not an incentive. It's a decentive. And most people don't even pay attention to it anyways. I can't remember a single time that a single trainer said to me, oh, I'm going to run in this race because I get two pounds from the horses who broke their remains recently. Nobody says that. Nobody. <laughs> but the racing secretaries aren't don't carry the power that they used to and as such there there's a paralyzation we don't want to change anything because someone might get mad even though someone who might get mad is is you know generally someone who's stupid i mean that that's listen i mean that that's an issue we have in this business is that there's a lot of people that make the call shots that just aren't that smart it just it just is and that's not dealing with where I am currently but in other spots there, there's definitely some some decision makers that really shouldn't be making decisions because they just don't get it um, I mean that's a simple thing fix that why do that uh, derby preps we've talked about this on a number oh, of yeah. times uh, I got, I got, <laughs> I got Ken McPeak so stirred up one day he called me and blabbed for an hour about it, about it. <laughs> Derby preps should be equal weights, at least as three-year-olds. They just should be. I mean, because the Derby preps is two-year-olds, most of them are you know ten-point races. It doesn't make a bunch of a difference, anyways. But they should be equal weights. Yeah, there's no reason why they aren't. Like, there, there's no reason why they're not. There's no no one is saying, "Oh, I wouldn't. I, I I'm going to run in the Arkansas Derby, but you know what." I'm 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 not getting those four pounds, so I'm I'm not going to run in it. I mean, no one says that. There's two things that a derby prep has that attract people, and and two things only: the points and the purse. Because they're all graded races for the most part. I mean, maybe you could make a case that maybe the grade ones preps, which shouldn't be grade ones because they're preps, 
carry a little bit more weight than a grade two print. But I think it's pretty hard to say that the Arkansas Derby uh, has been a, a because as a grade one has been a stronger race overall than the Louisiana Derby as a grade two because the results don't really seem to bear that out. Pretty hard to really make a case that either one of them is, is, is significantly stronger despite the grade. But the point is that that money and and points are you know honestly the points more than anything. Right. I was gonna say the points matter more than right. most of it because they want to get to the derby. Yeah. So why are we why what is the point of having uh weight gaps? Put them all at one twenty two. Right. And call it a day. Exactly. It's simpler. Oh. It makes sense. And, and and no one's calling to keep that. If you're calling to keep that, I, I, I just don't understand, like, why? Why? <laughs> it makes no sense. I mean, what, what you it say. It does make no sense. It makes That's... no sense. But this is this is how we've done things. And it doesn't change. It It's... It's just like when people call to raise the weights for the jockeys again. How much more do you want them to raise them? How much more do you want them to raise them? I mean, it it doesn't matter how high you make the weights. If you made the weights 175 pounds, you'd have 200-pound guys kind of trying to cut down to make the weight to ride. Yeah. In the end, it doesn't matter. You, you don't have any other standard. You're not you're not including a um, like a body fat <laughs> number where if you're under a certain number, which would be unhealth considered unhealthy, you you can't ride. And I'm sure someone say, "Well, it's discriminatory." Well, it's not really discriminatory. You want to talk about like safety and health? Well. Guys starving themselves because they're they're too big to ride, but they they need to ride because they can make a lot of money doing it. Sometimes you got to save people from themselves. I mean, we shouldn't let guys ride with concussions, right? But we, we always did because you know there was nothing who, in place, who, who, right? And who was going to deny a guy a chance to win a big race? Oh, he can ride with a concussion. He's been riding one <laughs> for years. But no one thinks ahead and no one does any of these things. And it's just wait around, wait around, wait around. Something gets screwed up, then point fingers, then, then oh, we, we, you know, come up with a Band-Aid. Yeah, that's that's the part that gets me is these Band-Aid fixes that never work. And it's just getting tiresome. And it's like, uh, you know, I, I would think at some point they would just get just annoyed with all the the nonsense from horse players and you know whomever is complaining about it and i know they're getting complaints and just fix it but it's like they dig in their heels and they're like no we've been doing it this way for however long and we're just going to continue to do it this way and being stubborn instead of being progressive and adapting to the times you know just like you were saying before you know back in the 80s and 90s Guys would run back horses faster. Now they're not doing that. So adjust the rule and adjust the, the, to the situation. And, look, and it seems like we, we've never been able to do that as an industry. It's just, 
Look, look, at, the, the look at the betting rules. Right. I mean, uh, I got screwed over twice. Look at the post-time favorite. The greatest one is the thing that Pat Cummings put up the other day, and I don't know how many people saw it, but in the occasion where you're you're stuck with the post-time favorite, oh, man, there's a rule <laughs> that in the case, the two horses had the exact same amount bet on them, which is, of course, the odds of that are, are remote, but, I mean, it's possible. That the horse that the horse players get the is lowest the one with the lower program number. number or program yeah. number. <laughs> so ridiculous. I mean, who put that in there? Like, if there's two tied, then give them both. And th- this is the thing is that <clears throat> I mean, it was just like that stupid rule where where, where married couples can't ride against each other, <laughs> but brothers can. That was made up, and they just said it was, that it was just a stupid rule from from a a, a a bygone time. And I got hit twice with that scratch into a favorite I didn't want. Everybody hates it. Everybody hates. I it. I, I, I mean the technology's there and they could do it. I just don't understand why. What's the hesit? Why the hesitancy with with fixing that? It's, One less thing the horse players can complain about. It's just, it's a racing problem and it's a nationwide racing problem. It is. Yeah. It's a, a issue of almost on all topics. Nothing gets fixed. I'm telling you, go to your local racing commission and ask them for a rule book. <laughs> Laugh at you. No, seriously. Go and 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 ask for a rule book. They'll, they they will well you know we don't have any or we can't give that to you. Why? Right. It's like well how how do people know what to do? Uh, that's one of the things that just that's a misconception that people don't understand it. Like, like I've never seen a rule book in my life here. <laughs> Seriously, I've never I've never seen anyone with a rule book. You have to literally uh, strong arm someone into letting you look at one. And some places have them online now, but even so, it, it, it's set up that it's it's you know not not an easy thing to read. Anyways, you got to go through you know, reams of stuff that's just, just like. Not of any interest or importance, but it's why Heisa should have taken on the gambling issues first and the stewards issues first, because it would have been a, a, a big improvement. And I know the people that they have working there are mostly dummies and they wouldn't be able to figure out anything about them, the, that part. But it'd be an easy fix for people that actually knew what the hell they were talking about, because who would be against it? Who, who would stand up and say, no, we want to keep the rules of racing uh, and let people herd and, and you know, blah, 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 and, and do like California does where nobody has any clue what a horse is supposed to do or can do or can't do. And I mean, it, it's an industry that's dying for the, the one area that, that desperately needs uh, continuity is what, what we all see in front of us every day. 
you would make people much happier by having better stewards, having enforceable rules and meaningful um, penalties for those that break them, that willfully break them. Not just those that break them, the willfully break them. I mean, I think that's the, one of the things that gets mischaracterized with drug positives is that people are willfully doing that. Most of the time, that's absolutely positively not true. But when a, a rider looks over his shoulder to the right, switches his left, uh, switches to, to the left-hand whip, and then lets his horse drift out into the horse outside of him, it's pretty difficult to, to maintain that that was willful. And that should be part of it. And that should be part of the penalty. It would be a much better game. It would be much safer for the jockeys themselves. It would be a much fairer game. If you don't think that, that this, if you're new to racing or you're only in at 10, 12 years, go back and just watch Breeders' Cups, right? Those are the biggest races on the biggest days with the biggest fields and the most money and the most um, on, on the line. You will not see hurting central like you see now no never i mean how many i mean how many inquiries really have you seen in breeders could, cup could you imagine in, in the 87 um uh, breeders cup classic <laughs> when when um when ferdinand was on the lead and alishibu was coming to him yeah and he just drifted out and i mean now impeded he just, him <laughs> he drifted him out right to like the freaking 12 path and then we had to have the the geniuses in the, in the booth try to figure it out i mean no it was a great race what about Sunday Silence and Easy Goer? What if Chris McCarron had, had decided to, like, you know, go to the seven path when Easy Goer was, was making his late run and, and, and force him wide? I mean, even the first one, uh, the first classic, with, when they were, there was an actual inquiry. Yeah, there was a disqualification. Right. Um, I mean, that happens, like, every race. <laughs> right. And, and, and that's, that's the thing, you know, even that incident wasn't really kind of intentional they just got a little tight um but it wasn't like you know what we see all the time where somebody's drifting out or or cutting horses off trying to make room that that was a disqualifiable offense back then yeah and and virtually nobody really complained about it like nobody and and now I mean, that would never get taken down. Well, maybe it would. Sometimes it in California, depends. yeah, in California, you might take it down. It's like <laughs> you know, they might or they may not. We don't like, know. That's the thing. Right. I have no I have any idea what they're going to do, or the Maryland stewards that, that you know they take oh, phantom man. ones down. But I mean, that that's that's something that was, you know, that we all see, and it's just there's a giant ball drop. But again, you know, not to labor heisa and go back into all that nonsense but heisa wasn't designed to help horse racing heisa was designed uh, as a program to kill lasix that's that's all it was that's all it was that's the only reason it started because a, a, a family of people didn't like lasix why i have no idea i have no <laughs> what did lasix do to them <laughs> but But anyways, I mean, social media is great in some regards. And I mean, look at people like you and I became great friends because of it. Yeah. 
um, it would have been difficult for for that to happen without social media. Yeah, uh, a lot of the people that I'm I'm really good friends with that, that I talk to all the time are people that I met on social media, or because of social media. Uh, but there's a lot of just bitter people that, that can't, you know, they, they want they always have an axe to grind. Man, and racing screws a lot of shit up. I mean, no doubt. I mean, come on. We this, this <laughs> the show basically has has an unlimited amount of fodder to talk about. I mean, we never lack for a topic. We've never had to go into the the, the sports talk radio. Oh, hey, what's the best top ten sprinters? You know. <laughs> Right, even though that would make up something a, to talk about, yeah, too. it would actually be a fun talking <clears throat> topic to talk about, especially if we brought somebody that knew what the hell they're talking about, like Sid. But um, if you think about like every week, we have some new new nonsense to talk about, and um, like some of the things that people complain about, like oh man, the one guy is complaining today because they wrote a story about Adam Rice, and everybody knows Adam Rice. You know, he's he got the stuff from his aunt, this and that. Oh I mean, my god, dude! The guy's won. He's run nine races. The right, first he's time won- he ran a race in New York was 2015. He's run here nine times. He's won six. It's, is it great? Yes. It's also over an eight-year period. <laughs> and he's like, I said, like, well, what did you want him to? do? You, you didn't like. I actually defended Bill Finley, which is not an easy thing to do. Uh, and I'll blast him here in a few seconds. But I mean, what's he supposed to do? He's he's tasked to write about the feature race. On, on a Sunday at Saratoga and the guy who won the race is now six for nine and he won two races on the day. And, uh, you know, he doesn't show up very often, but when he does, his horses have always run. And I mean, is that not news? It's news. But do we really want to have no reporting of the facts and just um, people's opinions on things? Because I know a lot of people in the horse racing media, that um, feel like you know they they, they don't want to be um, they try not to play favorites and it's hard sometimes for them because they're not ignorant to, to like what some of the things that go on but by the same token they're actual journalists and they've been <laughs> they've been uh, trained to do a job and part of reporting news isn't to interject your own personal views especially if there's no evidence of, of any of that so i mean do we really want people to to say like you know and, and you know my feeling on some people that, that we know are, are questionable people and i think you know going out of your way to celebrate those people is a dubious um thing but I mean, when they win a race, we can't ignore that they won the race. Even if we don't like them, they won the race. We have to report the race was won <laughs> by this person. Right. We don't have to say they're great horsemen or the oh, you know, they're they're savants or this or that. But the numbers are what they are. So, like, I, I just don't see how you can, like, and I and I, and I asked the question. How should they be reported? And then, you know, the guy said, "Oh, they only write two sentences." It's, oh, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna count words. I mean, does it really matter? He, he didn't say, you know what, Adam Rice is is a great trainer, and you should send all your horses to him. He didn't put some subliminal message in that you know, if you want to make money at Saratoga, bet Adam Rice. Or I mean, it's just 
Well, you get a lot of horse players that, that act up when they lose bets and then they get bitter and they start talking shit. And well, he that's... said he won the bet, but and it's and it's not even I'm not even saying the person's name because there's no reason to. Yeah. But it, it, the point is this is that how can you report on what happens if you don't report on, on what happens? What happens? <laughs> I, I mean, mean, yeah, to get upset at that, that's that's ridiculous. I mean, what, yeah, what, sure. What, what, you don't what, like the guy our, or uh, the girl or whomever. What were we talking about? Results-based handicapping? Oh, my God. (laughs) Results-oriented. You're too results-oriented. What the hell is that? The results-orientated results have got to (laughs) be. We can't have non-results-orientated results. Literally the most idiotic thing I've ever heard. I mean. And I've heard it more than once on television. That's stupid. Yeah, exactly. It, It is silly. I mean, in the end. Um the results are what they are. And at the end of the year, if, if you're minus, you know, whatever you're minus, you say, yeah, but you know, I played a lot of good tickets. Well, you still have to play good tickets that win. <laughs> you know, Like if you played good tickets and they lose, they're not, they're, there's not really the moral victory. Yeah. There's no moral victories in, <laughs> in betting. Like, I don't know anybody that walks out of the track that, that just, uh, you like, know, I feel good about not hitting yeah. that. 10k pick five yeah i had the right ticket though they ripped me off (laughs) no it's uh it's crazy but i mean and and, you know my point to him was listen man i'll support being on the right side of an argument and I'll, i'll be against a lot of racing establishment bullshit and i mean i'm gonna make some statements in a little bit that that are gonna go directly against it but I mean, when you just can't keep adding to the pile of grievances, because if it doesn't really matter, and that doesn't really matter, the guy's first start in Saratoga was 2015. It's 2023. He's made nine starts. (laughs) Well, it gets cartoony. He he, he shows up like once a year. It gets like cartoonish because people, you know, you win a race and then everybody thinks you're cheating. (laughs) That's what it feels like sometimes on Twitter. Yeah, like, he's like somebody wins, and it's like, oh, they're all oh, oh, the juice is in. Oh, they they're definitely doing something. And that's one. The guy's won like, like like eighteen races over the last three years. You know what? <laughs> if he's doing something, well, we're not condoning it, but this is not like a normal happening. Okay, it doesn't happen very often at all. So. I don't know why we need to have a cleansing of, of, of the news. It, it's just, you know, hey, listen, when Navarro was running the races, yeah, you, you, you talked a little side-eyed about it. I mean, it just was because it was. But but that didn't change that was, the fact he was winning the race. No, and, and it was also, but it was in your face all the time. Right, yeah. I mean, this is a guy, like I said, he shows up like, you know, two, maybe once or twice or three times a year. And like they really should do a study on, on what he was doing at Monmouth and and just like wow, like what he was getting away with just at Monmouth. That, that's I, I talked of, about including that the stuff in Gulfstream. I t- I was at the sale today, the New York Bread sale, and um I was talking to, to Mike Petro about it. Mike Petro is a former oh, yeah. and I said, you know, one of the things that, that people forget about when they would just want to claim juice, this and that, is one of the advantages that the, 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 the really super high percentage trainers have is that 
people are very wary of claiming horses off them. And it was a huge advantage at a place like Monmouth when you could run $25,000 horses for 10. And a lot of cases, no one would claim them because they didn't want to get stuck with them because, you know, you claim a horse from the guy and you come back and, you know, it wouldn't be the horse that, you, that, that just ran down and you know, down the lane. <laughs> so you had the advantage of, of the, the psychological advantage because a normal person ran an informed 25 claimer for 10, there's going to be 30 claims in for it. Yep. But that guy didn't have to worry about that. He didn't have to worry about that because, yes, yeah, sometimes once some some guys would reach in and claim it, but not often. Yeah, so well, it was always times, the it was always the same people. He'd he'd get to do it again. You know, he'd get mm. to win that race, and then he'd get to win that race again, and and the numbers his numbers are just going to get better and better, astronomical. Right. That's what he was doing down in in, right. in South Florida, like, and and it was so obvious because. You know, you, you see his horses be in a race. They'd be one to five, win by a pull. And then the next weekend, basically the same thing, just different horse. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's just, it, it, <clears throat> the claiming game is supposed to be policed by the number, right? If you put your horse in cheap enough, it's, you're going to lose them. But when you're when you can win it, and you know you're not going to lose the horse anyways, it's it's one of the the right. He real, was dropping him. It's one of the real problems of the voided claiming rule. I mean, you bet a horse yesterday uh, that Jacobson had had run, mm-hmm. and it, it got claimed, but the claim got voided, and he came back here about what seven weeks later, six yep. weeks later, in the same class, and you know, the rest is history. Twenty five, twenty five dollar winner. Yeah, right. And it, it's, I mean, I mentioned it last year uh, when the horse blew it that Pletcher had. Oh, yeah, yeah. They kept dropping him. He kept winning. He kept getting avoided claim, and they kept dropping him again. And it's like, you, you, you know, this is not how it's supposed to work. I mean, if you have avoided claim, the horse should be, should have to sit out at least uh, some period of time. If the horse was bad enough to have a, the claim voided, then they, they should be on the sidelines. And I know we don't want to put a lot of horses on the sidelines, but again, if you're going to talk about safety, you're going to talk about integrity. Well, if you voided a claim on a horse, especially a winning horse, well, obviously that horse has shown he, he has the capacity to win at that level. And the, the original trainer and owner should have lost the horse, but they didn't lose the horse. They still have the horse, so they can win again. And now you put everyone else in the quandary of, well, why was the claim voided? That's you know. the thing that I that unnerves me that you can't figure that out. <laughs> no, and I got. Uh, I mean, we had the the discussion a couple weeks ago about about vet scratches and how vet scratches should be identified, whether it's the private vet or if it's the regulation vet. It matters. Yeah, I, I saw also Voldemort said that on tv the other day and like literally word for word said what you've been saying who said it he who shall not be named oh uh, voldemort yeah okay 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 um voldy said it twice and literally used the same words you did 
it, it's it's the truth. But it's I mean you're not wrong. He's not wrong. No, it's it's but, the truth. It, and it, it would and it would be simple to do. You would literally just have to put an extra letter. You could see you could put vet scratch P, vet scratch R. That's it. That's all you gotta do. And everything Man. else we can read between the lines. We can guess it's still not an exact science. But it's information that is useful. But you know, again, the 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 gauntlet of of uh, bureaucracy and, and lazy people and morons that you have to deal with just to try to get a simple thing done is long and, and, and winding. So, do I have any faith that that'll get done? No, I do not. I mean, it's just like we, we talked about the, the drones like three years ago and how, how using a drone for some of the DQs would be helpful because you're getting an angle from the top. And now it's crazy because there's only like two tracks that do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the technology's been there for years. Like, sure. it, it's not even expensive at this point. Yeah, and right. you know, basically, you just get somebody to do the drone during the races. <laughs> yeah, we can use drones to shoot missiles at, at things, but we can't use drones to watch uh, a two-minute horse race. You, 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 you tell me. And listen, if it's bad weather and you can't use the drone, okay, we can't use the drone. I mean, right? That's it's that's an addition. It it's right. an addition. It doesn't have to be, um, you know. A, a perfect thing it's not the only thing it's 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 a it's helpful it would be helpful. right it's, it's, it's just another tool to help a tool exactly instead of having tools in the stewards stand we could have tools because they could use tools for the tools <laughs> shout out to mig though uh the mig was on on there talking uh about how the voided claim rules help safety because people aren't you know, trying to pass over horses no. that aren't any good just to get them ready to race. Like, you know, I think we were talking about it last week. Yeah, yeah. All right. right. I said, like I said, I don't want to pat myself on my the back, but because it was really, it was tasked for me to, to do this, Joe Orsino, and I put together the, the, the voided claiming rules for Gulfstream because PJ Campo, who was the boss of Gulfstream at the time, asked us to do it and figured, well, you know, there'd be less bitching by the horsemen if the horsemen are the ones that actually put the rule together. And it did. We did. We took some time. And, and I was approached by a veterinarian about six weeks after they were implemented who stopped me one day and said, you guys did made the biggest improvement to, to horse safety that we've I've seen in my 30 year career. He says the, the, the number of guys who, who now ask me to come try to treat a horse or fix a horse to just get them through a race has gone to almost zero because they know that if, if their horse gets claimed and they're, they're lame or sore or something happens, they're going to get void and be stuck with them. He goes, it's the only thing that's ever made a difference in that. And like I said, it, it wasn't like my idea. I mean, it's a good idea. Um, and it's difficult. It was very difficult to come up with the proper wording because you have the legality of the situation and, and you know, you always have to be wary that people are going to file lawsuits, right. lawsuits, and there's still going to be some uh, discretion. It wasn't as though there is a giant machine like a 
like a, a metal detector type machine you can walk a horse through and it'll just say, oh, all right, this horse is sound and this horse is not sound. So there's always going to be some kind of uh, discretion and, and, you know, to try to figure out what was avoidable offense. Like if a horse bled from their nostrils, what were we going to, you know, that was one of the things. If a horse bled out their nose, yes, that was going to be avoided claim. Um, if a horse was lame, if they exhibited any kind of lameness, uh, but like a heat stroke would not. Um, you know, the interesting thing about Florida was, and this is not to go off the topic, but, <laughs> you know, like a couple of weeks ago when I texted you, it was Hallandale was uh, had a heat index of 106 and they were racing. They were running. Cancellation. You know that, that we had way more horses that got heat stroke in the, the springtime when it just started to get warm again than we did in the summertime when it was super hot. Huh. Yeah, and this is of course just uh, personal observation, but but anyways, um, you know that 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 what the voided claim to... rule does, and, and and what it also does though, Barry, is it causes a lot more claims <laughs> because people have no the horses are them. yeah they're they're sound. Or I know some shit sounder. that's happened over the years, man. I remember at Belmont maybe. This is in the mid to early 90s. There was a horse in the paddock that that came through. And I mean, I remember, um, I think I was with, with Jason. And, and we were <laughs> like, how can this horse pass the vet? Like, like <laughs> you know, what, what are they looking at? This horse is like, looks terrible. And it was a claiming race. And the horse had great form. And it was a horse shipping in from somewhere. I can't remember where. Maybe Mammoth or Laurel or somewhere. Somewhere in the Middle Atlantic. Uh, with, you know, great form. Dropping in the class. It was a slight drop, but it was a drop in class. And um, the jock broke the horse and and went about 50 feet. Literally went about 50 feet and pulled up. Jeez. And of course, you know, a bunch of guys dropped the claims in because the, the, the figs, the speed figures were, were super. And, uh, you know, it was one of those deals. But the rule was, as soon as they broke from the gate, the horse was yours. I mean, and the horse just, I, I don't know how the vet let the horse run. But, um, I mean, those are situations that, that don't exist anymore. And they shouldn't exist. They shouldn't exist back then. But, you know. But um, Well, that's the thing is, you know, it, it goes to show how something that you might not think could impact another area does you know like people i i I wouldn't imagine people would connect the the claiming rule or the voided claiming rule to horse safety but you have to talk to people like yourself or somebody who really understands the industry to get that and and it seems like we don't there's no nobody in management racetrack management that that asks these questions of the people that are involved in the sport in the game doing things every day so we can understand that these things are important to help alleviate other things and it it just seems like it's missed like i I just don't understand how like what these people go into work every day doing and thinking i think we're gonna make things better for the industry i that's how i would do it i would go into my office every day and how how can we make this sport better I think the, one of the problems is that, that they just don't. They don't care. Ways, they, they, there's a lot of a lot of chiefs, not that many Indians, 
And I think that there's a lot of people that, that have multiple jobs that they're just trying to do what they're tasked to do. There's no one out there that's actually spending time trying to make things better. I mean, everyone thinks the tracks are all rolling in money because the slots and a lot of them are, but that money gets taken out. It doesn't all get rolled back in. It's, I mean, people complain about the purse levels, but the purse levels are like that because it's it's contractually obligated. Trust me, they wouldn't be as high as what if the track <laughs> they didn't, didn't have, have to, to pay it. those. Right, they'd hoard the money. Right, they could. It's easy to be generous when you have to be. But, I mean, I, I think that there, there's a lot of reasons, but some of it is is just because. Oh hell, I, I think there's tracks that literally aren't trying. I mean, you think you look at the Preakness, right? Okay. And now all this bullshit came out about extending, and it, it's just nonsense. If you and this is not, I, I don't care what your opinion is. I'm gonna say this, and I don't really care if people don't like it. <laughs> if you think the Triple Crown should be changed to a, 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 a an eight an eight week event then you're wrong because you're looking at it as a racing event and it's really not a racing event it, it's the last the last thing we have that people care about outside of horse racing circles and changing it is idiotic I would expect that from first racing because everything they do is a disaster <laughs> literally everything they do including you know I would be concerned about the viability of their actual racetrack that the Preakness is run at, since the, it seems that Maryland Racing is a complete uh, debacle at this current time. But racing cannot keep people's attention. <clears throat> There's a reason. It's not broken. The Triple Crown works very, very well. And I don't give a shit who was in the Preakness this year. That has nothing to do with it. I can go through the list of Preakness winners over the last 50 years and find lots of ones that weren't very good. Because it's the middle. It's never as important as the endings. The Derby casts a long shadow. <laughs> Everybody wants to win the Derby. Period. Period. And even so, this year, if there was not five scratches, five, at least three or four of those horses would have been in the Preakness. It took five scratches. Forte wanted to run in the Preakness. The Japanese horse that got in was going to run in the Preakness. Skinner was going to run in the Preakness. They were going to run. The Triple Crown only works the way it is. What has racing done that hasn't screwed up? Seriously, what is what has racing done over the last couple decades that, that isn't worse than it was before? What's better than it was before? Huh. Hard pressed to find something. Exactly. Exactly. And and the company that's pressing to do that, what have they done that right? Gulfstream? I wish I could have sold stock short in that place. 
Maryland racing is a, is a total debacle. California racing, you shouldn't ask the difference between Del Mar and Saratoga. That shouldn't be a, um, uh, the competition. You should be asking yourself, Del Mar versus Santa Anita. Because why can one operation run a great meet with the same horses in the same market the same trainers, the same distance between them and the next track, and the other one can't. And it can't just be, oh, well, we have to run more dates. Because it didn't always be like that. And now it is. Ask yourself, what's <laughs> what's different? Ask the people in Northern California. Because they're trying to sabotage that 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 California's fair circuit, right? The fair, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. They've they've done a number on the fairs and they're trying no more too. So to think that their racing is going to be to to tie it to safety, I've told everyone here. If you listen to this program, I can guarantee you one thing: when horse racing people pull out the safety card, it's because they got nothing else. Oh, it's safer to run four weeks that told to two weeks huh? it isn't really safer because guess what most of the horses aren't running even if it's four weeks how many horses came out of the derby and, and ran somewhere other than the Belmont where are all the derby horses running I haven't really seen too many exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> I haven't seen too many yeah. Yeah. And if you're a racing person and you hadn't considered this, well, you know, maybe you're you should consider it. That these are event days. These aren't just the derby, the the preakness and the Belmont. These are events. There's huge cards <coughs> built around these two days. Important races, schedules. And it works the way it does the way it is right now the five weeks between derby and and the belmont it works because it works for all those top flight horses who are never going to run in any of the baltimore races because they have no grades and they have no money and where are those people coming up with the money they won't put a penny into the racetrack there So ask yourself that. We're going to move everything. And Bill Finley's article today was embarrassing. He should be embarrassed. I mean, he's written a lot of direct before. But saying, oh, well, Naira should. No, Naira should not do that. That's that's stupid. You're going to change all the Naira stake races? You're going to change? Oh, it might hurt Saratoga? Oh, it might hurt the Travers? So that so that first racing can can have a couple horses. Dale Roman Torres, who runs 14th in the Derby every year, he can come uh, and, and point for that race. Uh, Twenty horses running in the Derby. Twenty. If they're not in the top four or five, who cares? Who gives a shit if the horse who runs 14th in the Derby runs in the Preakness? You morons. Nobody. Nobody gives a shit about it, and no one's going to give a shit about it. Nobody gets into this business that wasn't born in Baltimore that says, yeah, my lifetime goal is to win the Preakness. They want to win the damn Derby. They do anything to get their horse to the Derby. 
And after the Derby's over, you know what? The Preakness has never really been that important. I mean, really, what's the difference between the Preakness and the Haskell? When it's run. <laughs> A month. Right. The, that's it. That's the only difference is when it is. The Preakness and, and the surrounding undercard and, and the day. It's ruined by the people who, who run the thing. You know when the Preakness did really great? Was it was a huge day? It was Baltimore's day at the races? And it had tons of people in the infield? Uh-huh. And maybe we didn't get any of them coming back to the races. But they did good that day. They didn't have chalets. It wasn't full of chalets. Chalets don't help racing. They hurt racing. You want the preachers to be great? Open the damn infield up and fill it with crazy drunk people that pay 50 bucks to go out there. Because that's how racing was worked. That's what made it a successful event. That's where you would make money at it make money to drive the rest of the damn racing in that state it doesn't make any money and i'm not criticizing maryland racing but the facts are the facts what the facts are it's a great racing state it's got a great tradition it's a disaster it's a freaking disaster there a complete disaster people think bay meadows uh, was uh, the golden gate thing you know, we, we used to have two tracks there, and now we got none in San Francisco, the uh, biggest city in the country. Now we have no tracks there, and everybody's like, oh, well, you know, what are you going to do? Maryland, Northern Dancer stood in Maryland. Northern freaking Dancer, you assholes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just a reality. Moving the, the Preakness does nothing. It does nothing. Nothing but cause chaos. And if you think, oh, well, it'll get a better field. Come on. It's not. Who are you kidding? Where's the, where's the Belmont winner? Where's the Belmont winner? How often the Belmont winner? winner? The Belmont winner is, is skipping all the races in between the Belmont and the Travers. <laughs> the horse who won the Whitney is skipping all the races between the Whitney and the Breeders' Cup. Wake up, morons! Two weeks isn't going to matter. Your opinion is wrong. Period. All you're going to do is disrupt what does work to help out a company that's literally ditching racing in three major circuits. How's Gulfstream doing? Yeah, they, they're struggling just to get turf on the ground. In, in Florida. Imagine that. Man. I, I can't, I can't, I have to mow my lawn twice a week. Exactly. <laughs> I can grow grass. Maybe I, maybe I can go down there and help them out. Listen, we, we haven't even discussed the, the reality of television. The fact that ratings in the summer are terrible. They show reruns all summer. It is true. There's no uh, no Saturday Night Live, no nothing. 
the 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 weight between the Preakness and the Derb and the Belmont. It's going to be an eternity. It seems too long as it is now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. As great as Saratoga is, as great as Delmar is, by the end, everybody's tired of it. You make the, the Triple Crown that long. Yeah, it's, it's, that's too much. I mean, it's it's perfect the way the it is. Who the going to get shit about the Belmont in July? It's fine. They, they get tons of people go. Tons of money is spent on these things. No, everybody is the, the, literally... The internet pointed out that the, the same amount of money that was bet on the Belmont stakes and, and, and the Preakness stakes, it was almost the same. This year. This year. So what's the problem again? <laughs> the problem is the people in the middle don't know what the hell they're doing. But h- how are you going to fix the, the, the issue of the undercard? What are you going to do with all those states? You think Naira's just going to sit on them? They're just not going to run them? They're going to run the Met Mile in July? Yeah. It's nonsense. It's <clears throat> nonsense. The FIPS are gonna they're gonna postpone that in the in, in the Acorn. They're gonna postpone that in the Manhattan. And what about Churchill? They have tons of money. They're building up their own summer stakes program late spring, right? They're putting a lot of money in the July Fourth weekend is a big weekend for them. So they're gonna just abandon that. It's not gonna have stakes. Just not gonna have stakes, right? The track. And a circuit that, that's just teeming with money. They're just not going to have them. Or, oh no, we'll do what the racing people do. And we'll have three stakes for the same horses that day. Because that'll really make a lot of sense. That'll be brilliant, right? That'll be super. There's nothing wrong with the Triple Crown. It shouldn't be changed. If the trainers don't want to run in the damn race, then they don't want to run in a race. You want to make it, you know what? Instead of screwing up everything like you've screwed up everything else, just add more money to it. You lose money on the pre uh, Pegasus. You put the money up for the Pegasus. Put $3 million up for our club. Shit, in the beginning, they were putting up millions. Take a million and a half and make it $3 million. Make it $4 million. million. You're, you're, you're going to lose, lose anyways, right? Don't screw up after the rest of racing. Just make it a bigger purse. Morons. Like people are just—I mean, it's a wonder this sport is is on its knees. You want more people to run? Raise the damn purse. You have national television coverage of your race that people actually watch, and you want to move it? <laughs> you just—you can't make this shit up. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty wild, and then it also, you know, if you take it a step further, it speaks to the whole stake schedule thing, tying out the stakes, not having horses run the same race in consecutive weeks. 
you know, and it's all intermingled. That's that's what I was saying. The, the ripple effects of some of the decisions made affect so many other things. But it's like they don't know what the right thing to do is, it seems. I, 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 I don't know. It's Some of the stuff seems very intuitive and logical, but yet those decisions aren't made. The only thing in racing that really works is the triple crown. Mm-hmm. Easily. It's the only thing that, that we have that the mainstream media pays attention to. Do you know how many people watched the Breeders' Cup of Flightline? Not even a million. It's 300 million people live in this country. You know how many people watched the Derby? 15 or 16 million. Now, I know the Preakness doesn't get those numbers, and, and even the Belmont, if it's not a Triple Crown, doesn't get those numbers. But they get, what, seven, eight, nine? It's pretty damn good. You, you, you spread it out. And there was an analogy, and of course, this was a, a, a false analogy. A poor analogy, I guess. Would be more apt of, oh, well, baseball made major changes. Yeah, baseball did make major changes. They made two major changes. One everybody hates, which is the stupid runner on second base in extra innings. But it only <laughs> happens in extra innings, which doesn't happen that often. You know what the other rule was they changed? Speed up the game. Yeah, to speed up the game, to make it faster. Not to, to make it longer. Any momentum coming out of the derby at four weeks is lost. Yep. It's freaking lost. It just is. And this idea that everybody's just going to fall into place and keep is nonsense. What are they going to do with the Haskell? You think they're not going to run it? <laughs> Seriously, what, what, do you think they're not going to run it? How do you think that'll help the Triple Crown? When one, one year the Haskell runs the same week as the Preakness or, or in between the, 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 the Preakness and the Belmont. You think, you think this is going to, we're going to get a gulch situation where we're, uh, he takes a detour and runs in between and runs f- four of the races. No, if they do that, you know what the Haskell should do is lobby to be part of the triple crown. And move the race right, right to the That was you know, my the, original the statement. Spot. If you want to come out, and, and we know for a fact that, that they floated this to Naira, who rejected it long before it was made public. That's a fact. They went out and did it anyways. To get people like Bill Finley to, to, I mean, listen, if you just went against everything first racing wants to do and everything Bill Finley wants to do, we would be in much better shape right away because Bill is almost never right. I don't know how many times he's not as bad as Steve, but or Swift. I mean, those two guys are never ever right either, but <laughs> I mean, the, the ripple effect is that. <laughs> There's all these other things that are big, successful days that they get affected so that the Preakness can be run at four weeks instead of two weeks. They should, they should leapfrog them and just go right to where they were. That's the first thing I said. I said, you know what I would do if you tried to leverage me? I would say, you know what? Okay, run your race. We don't care. Guess what? Mammoth, you want to be part of the Triple Crown? Haskell, yep. in between, you're in. Uh, Derby, Haskell, Belmont, uh, 
Jim Dandy, Travers. Boom. Boom. You got the you got a five spot. If the if the the people at Parks want to be in, we'll have a, a a first season triple crown, a second season triple crown, and, and everybody will be up. happy. Everybody mm-hmm. will say, "Oh my God, these are." And the fact of the matter is, nobody's going to run on all six. Unless Dutro gets a good horse, but even Dutro's got into the training <laughs> bullshit now. Guy's got to run horse back in four days. Is now going to skip White Abari. White Abari's got no chance, by the way, zero chance. Rennie, I'm sorry, but a that horse ain't getting a mile and a quarter, and b he sure ain't getting it off of a, a two and a half month layoff. I mean, he, he tripped out for his life the other. <laughs> <day>. <laughs> The three-year-olds are going to win the classic or a Japanese horse. You can book that right now. Just book it. Now that I've been banned from the pack. I just want my guy, Dermis Sotogake, to make an appearance in the classic. That's, sure. all, I, that's all I want. I want him to be there. If if they if they decide to come, they're going to be factors most likely. That's that's even that other one. What's his name? Mandarin Hero. There might be other ones. Listen, that those aren't the only ones I got to order. Hell, and, might... uh, the one, the other one that was a huge long shot that I actually thought was going to run well. The yeah. Continuar. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't that bad. No, I, you know, I'd like to see them show up in the classic. Shake things up. Yeah, it's uh, it's just it's just like there's so many of us of a certain age that look at each other when they make these decisions and they make these announcements, and we just we just look at each other and we roll our eyes, and it's like, man, we've lived this for thirty years of screwing up. It's been 30 years of doing nothing but screwing up. And it's it's everybody, man. The horsemen screwed up. The, the tracks have screwed up. The stupid organizations that never do anything right, they've screwed up. The jockey club screwed up. The NTRA screwed up. Everybody. It's just been a, a, a shit show. And it just continues to be. And you always kind of thought, like, you know, when when a horse won the Triple Crown, then another horse won the Triple Crown. Then we've had some, you know, some really good races in between that you, you would think that, well, well, you know, that's the one thing that these guys can't screw up. And then you have these people. I'm telling you, I guarantee you. If they change it five years from now, we'll be doing a show. If we still doing this shit, that everybody's going to say, you know what? You guys are right. You guys are right. Because the truth of the matter is, there's been an awful lot of stuff that we've said that has come true. And it's not, we're not patting ourselves on the back. It's like blatantly, it's like obvious. There's so many obvious things. And, I mean, it was obvious Heisa was going to be a shit show. It was obvious that, that some of these things that they were going to do were going to be an issue. 
And now you see people writing op-eds all the time. And, and they're saying that all the stuff they're saying is the stuff that we've been saying for a year or, or a year and a half. It was it was plain as day. If you know anything about how racing works on from a, a trainer's side, you you would have seen all these problems. Well, that's what what kind of confused me a lot because there was seemed to be like half the trainers wanted it and were really optimistic about Hissa, and then the other half was like, "Oh, I don't know. This this doesn't seem like it's gonna work." And I was just wondering, especially with the people that were kind of on the pro hissa side, what the hell were they seeing that everybody else weren't that caused them to to kind of stand behind it? I mean, was it just the hope that this would turn things around, or was it they really thought that they had a good plan in place? I think a lot of people in the, in horse racing. Um, they get frustrated, and and I understand. I understand the frustration. <laughs> Somebody said, "Oh, you just show for the trainers, and you you know, I bet you, you, know, you were what?" I go, I go, I bet you, I, you know, I didn't say it because I don't want to put this out on paper, but I'll say it here. <laughs> I bet I'm the only one of all you people that, that threatened George Navarro to a fight on the grandstand apron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he told me that story. <laughs> <laughs> We've been complaining about these people and this shit for years, man. You just can't go public with everything. And honestly, look at what it took for that to be, you know, situated. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, even if you were saying things every day they weren't doing anything and and you know it's like again to reiterate for the four thousandth time the concept of heises is not, that having the same rules it's great is fine we're great Who, who's against that the problem is that they're, they're putting in bad rules that's the problem <laughs> and and i think that a lot of the people they just didn't see it very I mean, one thing about trainers is when you train horses and you have any significant number of horses, it's a lot of work. No, you're not actually going and galloping horses though some guys do, but there's so much paperwork. There's so many different, uh, it's not like for the most part, you just go to one place and stay in one place. There's so much BS that's associated with the running of the business now that that's more difficult than ever and now you have rules and regulations that you have to follow and you have to to spend time um ensuring that this is is in compliance and you've got this paperwork filed and this paperwork is there and and this is that and blah 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 um right when they should be simplifying things you have your owners you have to deal with you have to do schmoozing you have to be at the races you have to you know, I, I mean, there's just a lot of it, it. It's a it's a lot of work, and I mean, most of these guys are the, the president of their operation. They're the marketing director of their operation. <laughs> they're, they're the bookkeeper of their operation. I mean, they, they do a lot of different things. So, the the amount of time that they have to actually go through some of these things and, and study them is just not there. And because you know, I mean, you have your regular life too. You have kids, and they have baseball games. You have 
you know, laundry and you have uh, like chopping and, and, and doing all the other things that people have to do in their, wor- in, their, in their work, you know, the regular life. And they just don't have that much time to figure things out. I mean, I remember a guy said to me, a trainer who's won a lot of races, uh, said to me, you know, what are we going to do about the LASIK thing? And I'm like, dude, where have you been? <laughs> like, have you not paid any attention to any of this? I go, the only medication in the high cell um, wording that was that was was put out there with, that was um, addressed was Lasix. It specifically said Lasix. Everything else is all oh, well, whatever you know, the, the federal authorities or the international standards, blah blah blah, except Lasix. It, it was spelled out, ferrosamide or whatever the hell it's called. I said, Look, where, have you, where have you been? <laughs> you know, like they're getting ready to ban this and they're going to ban it nationwide. And that's going to be a total shit show. It's going to be a total shit show. You think stakes fields are small? You think fields are small now? There's an action. Excuse me. There's a reaction to every action. And, and the reaction to no Lasix is going to be fewer horses. It's just the way it's going to be. And that I can guarantee you. I can guarantee you that. Why? Because I understand what Lasix does. And I understand how horses are treated. And if you take away Lasix, then you make it far, far, far more difficult to treat your horse for bleeding. And you'll have to space the races out more. Like they're not spaced out enough. They're not spaced out enough, right? Well, now you're going to have to add more in because you can't just give them Lasix. You can't just give them Lasix anymore. You've got to go through all these processes and try all these other things, none of which are free. And now you, you have to wonder even if someone has some sort of herbal remedies that, you know, work uh, for some varying... Uh, the, the, the scale is from... Hardly at all to nothing, but maybe it does a little, right? Well, now you have to worry that you're going to be not on the Lasix used. Oh, this is a not approved substance, so we're going to give you two years for that. I mean, it's just. Right. And forcing forcing the trainers to find alternatives is just going to make it worse because now you're going to see weird overages on things that you know, probably shouldn't even be in the equation anyway. It's just, instead of just having Lasix be it, they want to convolute the whole situation by saying you can't use it, you know, for stakes races and clearly horses need it. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's all ridiculous to me how there's this, you know, like, like that uh, saying from Teen Wolf, you know, the coach, he's like a personal vendetta against Bobby Finstock. Well, somehow his is a personal vendetta against Lasix. <laughs> and it just so, doesn't make any sense because <laughs> it's, it, it was something that clearly worked, clearly does work, but yet you don't want horses on it. Makes no sense. When you explain to a regular person, a non-racing person who has no bias there you know, for or against, 
what it does. And so why can't you use it? <laughs> and people say, well, why would, why would they not want horses to get it? What well, doesn't make any sense. And, and say, you got no well, answer. It's like, for, I have no for, idea. for the breeding. And they say, well, what does it have to do with breeding? And I said, well, it, it really has nothing to do with breeding, but this is, you know, this is the, a, a fable that, that people have believed because they want to believe it. And, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's just silly, but. Well, it's just like, you know, if you want to really dumb it down, you could say, oh, well, you know, uh, your significant other took Tylenol. So that's going to affect when you have kids. <laughs> it's not that different, man. It really isn't. And, and, and you know, I mean, there's so many other things in this business. Oh, well, takeout doesn't matter. They're going to bet anyways, right? And, and all, all the other fees behind the scenes that, that we don't see, the source market fees and this fee and that fee. I mean, it's 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 ultra frustrating because it can be a great game. Even today, you know, we're standing there talking, me and Mike, and, you know, it's screwed up as it is. It's still a great thing to, to be able to go to the races on a, on a weekday and just spend a couple hours there you know hanging out seeing some nice horses and seeing the two-year-olds and um and seeing people at the races enjoying themselves and uh it, it's just it's it's a refreshing thing to see because we just don't see it that that often and it, and it kind of reminds us of how, how things used to be mm. and and it, there still is some some really I mean we've talked about it you know the social aspect and and how we remember um, days at the track when we were kids and days at the track when we made big races or we saw things and man it's just a little little different when you're there you know when when you're there you know one of my one of the best memories of of going to the racetrack was when I was a kid um, usually around this time of year, because Saratoga was on and they ran on Mondays, was going to Rockingham Park on a Monday where there's hardly anybody around and just playing the races on a Monday. You know, you don't get the biggest crowd in the world, but, you know, the cards were usually pretty decent. You know, um, wasn't a whole lot of races for Rockingham, but Saratoga was running, so that was the attractor. And it was just very, very peaceful, enjoyable, win or lose. And nowadays, it's hard to get that. Um, You know, a lot's changed since, you know, the the early 90s. And it's like, you know, it it feels like there's nobody guiding the ship. There's no captain. (laughs) There's nobody guiding this thing. And, and we're just spinning around in, in a circle. And it just gets tiresome at times, you know. I, I, I mean, I've, I've, I think you, you can kind of understand because I'll text you every once in a while and say, yeah, this shit is getting old. Um, but I just wish it wasn't that way where... I, you get fed up with certain things and you just throw your hands up and like, I'm done with this shit. That's the stuff we got to cut out. And I see, you know, it's, it's hard to tell because horse players are very dramatic 
whenever they they feel like they got wronged. So it's hard to to gauge the actual, you know, level of angst with everybody because it's like, yeah, you know, oh, I hate this game. One minute, and then they hit a race two races later, and it's the best game ever. So they're not the best gauge. You know, what you have to look at is all the statistics with the betting and the handle, and you see it going down every year, year over year. Uh, you know, that's the alarming stuff that it it's like nobody pays attention to or very little people to pay attention to it. And the people that do pay attention to it kind of just kind of shuffle it and try to spin it as a positive. And that's not what we need. We need transparency. We need, you know, everybody moving in the right direction. And it just feels like this whole game is in disarray. And it just, it seems like, you know, it's like we're almost there. We just need the people in charge to understand what what needs to happen. And for whatever reason, they're just not hearing it and not doing anything. And it's scary to think, you know, all these people like yourself, you know, even me to a certain extent, just playing the races for as long as I have, you know, and, and you can hear it in your voice, how passionate you are about it and you want it to be great. But it's just like the people that are making these decisions aren't as passionate as you are or as I am or anybody who loves this game. They just, I don't know what their goal is. That That's so crazy to me that I, I can't put myself in their shoes in order to figure out where this thing is going. Yeah, it's it's a well put. I mean, it's it's very frustrating. I mean, to his credit, David Work was willing to come on uh, and and <laughs> get, get <laughs> he grilled. spoke about it for get, sure. Get, get grilled by Andy a little bit, but I mean, it was a screw up. And I mean, they they actually took some of the heat for something that that someone uh, you know that the racing commission should have taken. Um, it doesn't happen very often. Usually, it's the opposite. It's it's fingers pointing, but they admitted, you know, that they could have done it better, and there, there needs to be better procedures, and that the rules need tweaking. Uh, all of which is true, but it shouldn't come to this. It shouldn't have to be. It shouldn't have to be a a mea culpa. Right. I mean, this game has been around long enough where they they should understand, like, at this point, it should be very efficient. You know, this this game has been around for a long time, long time. It's like like the takeout reductions, right? We talk for people have talked for years and years and years about takeout (laughs) reductions and and how it would improve churn. And and I know that that's kind of a, a basic math well the game has kind of changed a lot now. yeah all this fake well it's not fake money it's real money but you know it, it comes from non-real people um yeah they're real people behind it but they're not horse players um and no one ever really gave low takeout a chance uh, it would always be done on a short period, and oh, right. it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't like work. Canterbury did it, right, right, for like, like a L- season Ellis or did two. It one year against Saratoga, like ten or twelve years ago. I was like, man, come on! Like you can't think that people, uh, if you lower your takeout, 
that people are automatically just going to bet um, to, uh, you know, 100% more at Ellis. I mean, you're going up against the strongest signals in, in the country. You have to do it over a period of time. Um, and, I, and I think they only did it in a couple, you know, pools. And But it, it, it's not a short-term thing. It's like, you know, what we let off with about the breeding. It, breeding is, is a, is a, a long-term deal you, you can't change breeding habits in a month or two months you've got to create incentive that people will be willing to put in a few years of time and money that's the whole point and and, and same with with you know takeout reductions and, and it's difficult to do takeout reductions now because the complication of of the, the massive um rebates that are given right and... playing the long game that's 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 exactly what horse players should do and that's exactly what what the tracks should be doing playing the long game what's going to sustain us and get us more revenue over time and the decisions that they make now are not doing that no the quick fix for what's happening in the present not for what's going to be happening in 2026 and that's where the shift in, in mentality needs to happen. And they're not seeing past what's right in front of their face. If you break it down to the simplest terms, it, you know, trying to attract new customers when you, you have no respect from your old customers. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely true. And, and I think that's one of the things that so many in, in the leadership of racing don't get that the people don't have any respect for them because I mean, I'm tired of hearing about state of the art. I'm tired <laughs> of hearing about about uh, you know cutting edge and uh, nothing that we've done is state of the art. Nothing that we do is cutting edge. Nothing, nothing any of these tracks do. Nothing anything that's done. Period in this business, it's just not. It's not designed that way. It never was. It's just fancy words that are that, that, that basically people have heard before. They've seen nothing actually happen, or they've seen, you know, the opposite happen, what they were told. And no one believes it anymore. No one believes it. There's a reason that that the credibility of, of a lot of figureheads in racing just is non-existent and it's because they never actually come through and they want to try to to make people look at the 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 you know the fluff but there's, there's no substance there's no substance to it And it's like I said, it's frustrating, man. Very frustrating. Very. And we're not the only people to feel this way. There's, there's, you can't, you can't talk. I can't go to any tracks without finding a couple people that want to talk about it because they know I'll talk about it. And one of my best friends, I mean, he's been a racing lifer. He's one of the guys that really, showed me the ropes when I was 15 years old and and he's about done 
you know it's about this, this. well I think that was a sign I think I think someone from the Stronic group just uh, that was the sign <laughs> they go cut this shit they just yeah they just pulled the <laughs> plug on us sorry got banned from banned from Gulfstream I have a self and <laughs> a self imposed ban on myself going to Pimlico unless I want to go see where Prop Joe is buried. Though Craig tells me that he's actually from the other side of town. Oh. But, um, um, yeah, and, um, California is not on my itinerary anytime soon. No, not even for the Breeders' Cup? No, 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 I don't, I don't. I don't even like going to the Breeders' Cup. I, I'll be honest. I've never been. I, I want to I make I, that I, I don't, for myself. I, mean, I have no desire to go to the Breeders' Cup. There's too many I races. Do. It's too long. Too much. See, I want to go at least once oh. so I can say I went. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, people want to go. Of course, it's great, but and me, I've never been to a California racetrack, so no. Um, it's cool. Got to solicit but, the Breeders' Cup for some uh, press credentials. But um, they probably won't. Get no, it. for me personally, I I just don't really have any desire to go to the Breeders' Cup. See, I do. It's, I've never been. Uh, I, I, think, uh, I think that it's too long. Too long. Too long. Our guy NC Tony was trying to get me to go last year. Yeah, but didn't you go the year before? No. I thought Breeders you went to Keelan. Derby. No, I didn't go to Keeneland. I was at I was there a couple. You days were at Keeneland, but you weren't yeah. not for the breeze. Yeah, no, I left. Plus, it's got the potential of being cold. Well, yeah, I, I don't want to go to one in Kentucky. I want to go to one yeah. in California. No, so I've been to plenty of breeders' cups. I have not. It's a great event. I mean, listen, I'm I'm not discouraging anyone from going. Just me, I'm saying me personally. There's so many races. That I, I just, if I was there at the track, I can't concentrate. I can't concentrate here as as, as well as I'd like to. Yeah. And no, I mean, it's hard. And, and it, I mean, in this, I mean, you know how I bet. I mean, if I find one or two races a day, or three races a day, or a sequence, that's a lot. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I'm, I just don't bet every race because, I, you know, I looked at my numbers and I'm like. I'm I'm blowing more money on races that I don't really have. You don't really like, yeah, because I'm bored. <laughs> I mean, I'll still toss a flyer in here or there, but um, but for the Breeders' Cup, it's different because it's hard not to have an opinion on. It, it, there's know. always going to be uh, overlays, you know. Um, you're going to have fine, really great good horses, horses that, that are, are overlays, excellent <laughs> prices, and, so it, it's it's just a great opportunity. I mean, that's one of the great things about the Breeders' Cup is the the, the gambling aspect of it. Um, I mean, we talk about things that racing has done that that uh, have have not been better. I mean, the Breeders' Cup is is really is great. I mean, I'm not criticizing that at all. It's as a wagering platform, it's tremendous. I mean, uh, it's it's a unique chance to get. To, to do that and and i mean that's that's again going back to the the triple crown argument i mean belmont 
card the day before and, and especially the day of, they're great cards. It's a great card. Uh, even with some of the shorter fields, um, it's still a great card. And I mean, I thought, I, you know, the irony of, of the Baltimore thing is that I thought they had a, a, a really decent betting card this year on Preakness Day. Yeah, no, I, I had a hell of a Preakness. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought I, I didn't think it was bad at all. And, but um, yeah, it was. It was that was nah, actually pretty good day. Is, is, I'm 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 over it. Oh, boo! I'm over it. Got to get to one. If I don't, if I don't have seats to a suite, I ain't going to no derbies either. <laughs> Never been to a derby. I can tell you this: after today's rant, I'm sure I won't be invited to any chalets. <laughs> Never been to a derby. Uh, derby's, Although Jim Derby's Goodman, one of those things you Keeneland, gotta do, man. Jim Goodman at Keeneland was all about trying to get me to go to the, the Breeders' Cup, but I, I just couldn't make it. That you know, couldn't get get it planned that quickly. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, man, you you'll have a good time, and the Derby is something you really have to do. Yes, I want to. You you really need to do that, and you should bring Amber with you. Yeah, just no. don't bring don't bring her to infield. <laughs> She'd be regulating out there, but <laughs> throwing bows. Um, but no, it, it's it's a it's a unique, unique thing. And I've I've been to a Super Bowl. I've been to a lot of big sporting events, and and the Derby is is uh, is right up there with them. You know the way the town celebrates it. It's just uh, it's a really cool thing. Yeah, I got to. I know that. Churchill takes a lot of shit for a lot of stuff they do, and then you know what? I mean, they ran the Arlington Million at Colonial this week, and that just felt. Uh, though everybody that went, all my friends that went, had a great time. Um, it just felt a little queasy, you know, like yeah, they call it Arlington Million. They, they even had the old logo I saw on the on the little blanket or whatever you call it. They had that wasn't a blanket of roses, which was yeah. a little weird, but. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I didn't I didn't like that. You know, I, I wish they kind of gravitated away from calling it the Arlington Million, called the yeah. Colonial Million or something like Virginia Million. Yeah, something. Just not that because I think Arlington Million. I think John Henry. Yep. No, that. And and, and we're so far removed from that. It's not even funny. Yeah, for sure. And 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 the funny thing is. I mean, it's not funny, but it's still a million bucks. And a million bucks back when John Henry was running was a whole lot more. <laughs> yeah. Really, it'd probably be, it should be probably like three million. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, that, and this is nothing against Colonial Downs. I mean, no, no. I like, we like Colonial. It's no problem at all. It's just a, it's just a reminder of, of a track and a circuit that, uh, it meant a lot to a lot of people, and I mean, you know, we have a very how do we say it um, sensitive. No, it's it, it's just we have um, uh, you know the second biggest city in the country, and we have uh, no racing, a, a limited amount of racing in the summertime there. Um, you know, Hawthorne's open. I mean, they're. they're Still there, still fighting it out, but it's not the same. 
Even yeah. even when when Arlington was still running though, like it got lost in the shuffle so badly. It got it, you know, because they let it get lost. Yeah, no. That's what happens, and that's the thing is, we see we've seen it before, and uh, I think we see that in Maryland. I think that you have minimal effort being made. Um, we saw that at Arlington with Churchill. They they made minimal effort. They didn't really try. They didn't really put any money in it. They didn't, didn't sink any money into it. They didn't really focus on it. And uh, I mean, racing is, is in a tough spot because you need people and you, you need exposure. You need the, the host track to, to really care and, and to, to try. I mean, it's, it's, it seems like a given, right? That you should try to make more money at your track and, and try to do new things and try to attract people and horsemen there but i mean we, we've seen it a lot they just places don't try and then they say oh well you know geez horse racing sucks and it's old and it's decrepit and then all the people are old and it's you know let's get rid of it and we'll just have slots <laughs> you know, there's a lot of tracks calder no no different uh, hollywood park uh, no different hey if ron geary hadn't bought um ellis from Churchill, I don't know that Ellis would be open still. You know, let's just don't don't. I mean, look at look at parks and what they did with Atlantic City. Uh, Atlantic City was the greatest track to bet. Yeah, I love betting that track. Man. It was crazy, man. You, you had a track that was basically defunct. It was in a grandstand that probably should have been condemned. The parts of it weren't were with no frills. The TVs were from like 1975. <laughs> um, they had no concessions essentially. They had local Cub Scouts selling hot dogs, although it was cheap, um, and 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 selling uh, like sodas out of a cooler. Cooler, yeah. Right, and they they got like ten thousand people there. On Saturdays, it was crazy. It was nuts. There was so many people, and I always said, "Man, like, it just shows that in some sort of limited capacity, uh, you, you could, you could do it." And you know, it just it, it's the will of 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 so many of these tracks that that just uh, and and it's you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm. I'm tired, actually. <laughs> I'm tired. We got uh, Game of Soaks on Wednesday. Yeah, we're going to use the the first race of the day on Wednesday. Nice. It's going to be the Game of Soaks race of the week. It's two-year-old New York breads on the turf. All right. 16th. And it's race one. So we'll be able to uh, do the spaces and and then go to the Discord and go right in there. Maybe get the Barry Spears pick three. Yeah. Okay. If I could yeah. stop finishing second, that'd be cool. Uh, you never know. I mean, the last three I gave out on the Going in Circles Digest, I am technically one winner in two seconds. But the one winner got messed up because of 
the maple maple leaf mel fiasco yeah and then stone silent literally was in front every stride until the last one and then american know-how yesterday just couldn't get by the winner mm. i don't know I, I for whatever reason i hate when Javier rides like that, when he rides a stalker, for some reason, it just doesn't work. Maybe he's just older and can't finish like he used to. Because Louis Saez, when you see him, like I, I call it the Saez ride, when he flanks the leader and he just sits right off, right off their hip and makes his run. Mm. And he finishes strong as hell, man. I don't see too many people passing Louis Saez when he's really getting after it. No, Louis Saez is really good. He's excellent. He's a good guy, too. Very. But we'll, we'll turn it around, hopefully on Wednesday, and then... Next weekend, and then the weekend after that is Travers, right? Yeah, hard to believe, right? I know it's coming up fast, bro. Yeah, coming up fast. You know what's coming up uh, fast that you could have been going to if you had uh, managed to get <laughs> up here? Is back the, to the party, uh, Steve Bick. Back to Steve. Um, is a big, giant proponent of the Washington County Fair. Oh, like funnel cakes. Yeah, man. Funnel cakes and pig racing. I was thinking about that. Uh, I was actually telling my wife how um, Bobby Newman's out Prairie Meadows and and the Iowa State Fair. (laughs) (laughs) Bananas. Especially this year because it's like an election year, so. Or coming up on election year. <clears throat> he he, uh, he texts me about once a week. <laughs> <laughs> and what he what he lacks in in quantity of texts, he makes up in quality of texts. <laughs> <laughs> is, That's so is, good. <laughs> he is a, a, a very uh, sparing texter, but when the texts come you, you automatically drop what you're doing to see what he sent. <laughs> Those are the best. Some of, some of it cannot be shared. <laughs> but, uh, uh, man, we had a good time in college. We really did. Oh, he was my roommate imagine. for one year. It was like, it was, it was just shenanigans. It was just degeneracy, like, and. <laughs> <laughs> I think I told a story about the year we had the future book, man. We had great exposure and a couple of horses. And I was like, what are we going to do? I was like, I don't know. We're going on summer break. We'll worry about it in the fall. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> we'll pay them. Yeah, we had this yeah, sorry. We can't yeah nobody cares. So what are they going to do? Yeah, but <laughs> uh, We had a good time in college. We had a good time in college. I'd love to go back. I want to do a, what was that movie? A Rodney uh, Dangerfield. Back oh, to the school. back to school. Yeah, 
I would love to go back to school. What is the guy's name? I see. I'm good with those kind of things. That's Thornton Mellon. Well, Carl Spackler, he was from um, Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Thornton Mellon. Yeah. Does the triple indie. Yep. You're gonna do the triple indie? <laughs> no, no, no. I'll, I'll pay for you to go I to can't school do if a, you could do the triple indie. I don't think I can do a single indie. The only Lindy I could do would be Lindy Farms. <laughs> For a guy, Frank Antonacci. Um, Though, he does aggravate me with his, his, his farm silks. <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, he, he uses the silks, man. He uses the silks and the trotters. I mean, let the drivers use their own silks. The driving colors. We don't need Trotters don't need silks, man. No, no. Let the drivers wear their. I, I hate that. I hate that. That's a pet. Peeve. I'm pretty sure my my. I'm not getting over that. My either. colors would be like, dolphins colors, turquoise blue and orange, and I'd try to have like the turquoise wheels, and I'd go to the lead every time. So it'd be like the early fires of harness racing. Harness. I, Dude, I would go to the lead every time. Like Walter Case. I'd try every time. I'd try to leave every time. Walter Case, man, he used to like go to the lead all the time. Yeah, I used to see him drive when he. When How about the one horse that won the North American Cup uh, at uh, at the Red Mile today? What did he do? He set the he won one forty six and four. Oh, I didn't even see that. Oh my god, his feet. Cooled off yet? Boy, that track <laughs> is smoking fast. The smoking. Mile, man. Holy crap. Dang. But Gabe got programs, free programs. So, For the patrons? Yeah, free programs. See? Well, you, you can go online on redmile.com. Uh, so, and they have free programs. Gabe, Gabe's setting the standard here. People need Gabe. to pay attention. If I ever hit the lotto and I, I had enough money track? to buy a track, I would bring. You gonna buy Arlington? Yeah. 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 Well, Arlington is gone, so <laughs> I would. I don't think. A I'd late. I probably wouldn't hit enough to like build a new track, but I could buy an existing one. Yeah, if you did that, man, you'd probably be the only track standing when it all when it's all said and done. It's all said and done. You'd make all the right decisions. Yeah, and we'd be the only only one left. We have a monopoly. No. Yeah, so we'll be on uh, Spaces on Wednesday at noon, noon on Twitter, if you're a Twitter person. And um, Twitterati. Yeah, so check that out. Um, I'm, I've already guaranteed Barry's going to give out the pick three, so no pressure. Nah, we got that. We could do that. And, uh, can you believe football is going to start soon? I can because I'm very excited for the Dolphins. Much to the chagrin of my friends, family back in Mass who are Patriots fans, but. Well, we won't hold that against them. We should. Yeah, we definitely should. Kind of neutral when it comes to the, the Massachusetts thing. Although I don't like, I don't like the Red Sox at all. 
and I'm pretty much the same with the Celtics. Right. Uh, but the Pats and the Bruins, I'm okay with. They're all right. Oh, Pat. I don't, I don't have any feeling on hockey other than I went to Flyers games and those were the closest things I've ever been to anarchy at a sporting event. Was the year was I get to the the playoff game? They played the Penguins, and it felt like security had lost control of the. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, if you had a Penguins jersey or any paraphernalia get, on, at get that punched game, in the face. You had some serious cojones, man, because there was a lot of fired up, drunk Philadelphia people. It was it was uh, it was wild, man. It was really wild. I'm not really a hockey guy, but that was <laughs> it was a game they had there was all kinds of fights. It was just nuts. There was fights on the ice, there was fights in the stands. It was uh it was kinda wild. <laughs> but um Yeah, football's almost I'm ready. Here. I'm ready. Because that means that, that basketball's right around the corner. Yeah, yeah, that's NBA, true. See my man's I watched Check. a couple of the FIBAs. Yeah, I've been watching Austin Reeves doing damage. Yeah, much to the chagrin of the Time Lord. The I know, Time, Time Lord is hating it. The Time Lord hates Austin Reeves. <laughs> He's got unreasonable hate for that guy. He doesn't hate it. He doesn't hate him as much as I hate Tom Thibodeau, though. No. He just had to put the dig in there the other day when he's when <laughs> RJ Barrett went 13 for 14 from the field. Where was time, that? Time Lord text, he texts our group text. Boy, look what he can do without dibs. I'm like, yeah, exactly. He actually plays. Yeah, he's allowed to shoot. And he's not clamoring for Taj Gibson. Doesn't have a guy screaming at him from the sideline. <laughs> I can see. <laughs> That's my Tibbs imitation. It, Thank you. T- that was funny. Tony texted me one day. He was at the Charlotte game and they're playing the Knicks. And he said, "He goes, there's there's more Knicks fans here than Charlotte fans." And uh, his two observations were, were that and 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 Tom Thibodeau has screamed the entire <laughs> game. <laughs> I don't know how that guy still has a voice. He should you know, be he signing things tickets. at this Tony, point. Tony's got season tickets. He's on like the fourth row. Oh yeah, for the, for the Hornets, right? Yeah, yeah. His, if if he had season tickets in Madison Square Garden, those would be like twenty grand. But um, so my my Tom Thibodeau impression also works for Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers got that ass. <laughs> and then. I have my my Ed Orgeron voice. <laughs> that, that was kind of an Ed Orgeron voice. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> Does he have a job, Ed Orgeron? No. He is a womanizer. And he's just out there. So I, I think I saw him on TikTok. He was like at the beach, like trying to talk to some 20-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Hey, just all right, you know. Go Tigers. Yeah, <laughs> that guy's nuts. Absolutely out of his mind. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll do a show. We'll just do imitations of people. Oh, I got it. I got a lot. If of we them. get Frank Marimani to come on because he does good imitations. See? That's what we need. Yeah. <laughs> and then you could do your your infamous Andy Byer imitation. My, my Andy Byer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do Andy Byer. 
in front of Andy Byer. He might. Punch I don't him. think he. He probably wouldn't think it's funny. Yeah, no, he wouldn't. <laughs> He's like That's the stupidest impression I've ever. That heard. doesn't sound. That, that, that doesn't sound like me. That doesn't sound much like. You me. know, the buyer speed figure for that performance is just lacking. <laughs> and Randy Moss does them for us now in the Saratoga area. <laughs> but the figures just don't make sense. And your, your impression of me is just amateurish. One thing I'll say about Andy Byer is he still got it, man. That that dude can still break down a race. Yeah. Andy Byers, like books, people, people of a different of, of a younger generation have no idea the influence those books had on on like a whole. That's generation. how I learned to play the races. Yeah. That's literally how I learned. I I read uh, Betting Thoroughbreds with Stephen Davidowitz. Uh, the Litfin book, I think it was, uh, yeah. And then I, I forget the Litfin book, it was like the handicap or something. And then, um, buy on speed. I, me- I remember I read Mark Kramer's books, yeah. Mark Kramer was, or the uh, Tom and Niles complete, yeah, thoroughbred. thoroughbred racing. Yeah, there, there was a thing in that the complete I still have that one if a horse has longer than a, a 21 day layoff. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of absolutes in there, like, yeah, like toss them. But, um, no, he, he was had a huge influence on a, on a lot of a whole generation of people that and and, and Harvey Pack, you know, and the people that Harvey Pack used to bring on, on his show. Um, a lot of you know. Sharp guys, Paul Cornman, and um, man, I remember that back in the day on, yeah. especially on Inside Racing on Tuesdays at yeah. Saratoga, where he'd bring them up to the gazebo, and they'd have you know conversations about right. all kinds of stuff. And it was always it was always informative, especially for me at that time because you know obviously I wasn't born into the sport and I was just trying to learn and I didn't have anybody to learn you know from. So I just watched as much as I could. I read as much as I could and lost a lot. And now I'm here. <laughs> no, that's true, man. It, it, there wasn't the outlets. There was no social media. There, there wasn't outlets that we have now for people to, to even learn about stuff. Um, it was informative. And, and like we did learn a lot of stuff there. And, and you know, uh, news, current event like what was happening in racing and and um it, it was it was a i mean he was a pioneer really was um but uh you know it was uh, it was a different time i i think i really think that and i don't even know if tapes for that exist but the modern People who produce the broadcast now could learn something from those days. They really could learn something. But, well, yeah, uh, I mean, now it's a lot. Of, it's it's a lot of fluff and nonsense. And in before it was, you know, kind of straight to the point. It wasn't a lot of dancing around everything and talking about this guy's horse because he's my friend. And you know, gotten away from a lot of things that that actually were good and worked into some corporate 
package that is like you know just doesn't feel the same way it doesn't feel as as genuine no no and then i mean obviously there's huge differences between covering you know being on air for hours and hours and and, and having a an hour show a replay yeah. show or a, a, yeah. an hour show but it, it was just the the tone was different and uh, the assumption was that people had a clue about horse racing i i just don't think that the, the shows that we have, TVG or Fox, I don't think that they bring any new viewers in. I don't. I just don't see that at all. Um, I don't think people shifting channels are going to cl- click on and say, "Oh, this is really interesting, and I'm going to watch this, and I'm going to learn how to do horse racing." I, I just don't think that that's the right approach. I really think that you know, there's other avenues of of gra- you know, getting people to gravitate to racing, and and then that's the the outlet that you guide them to to watch it but i just don't see the capacity for people to to really understand racing or, or try to learn it that way and i think dumbing everything down really is is a mistake because you're kind of uh you make it for people like you know maybe i'm too grumpy but i can't listen to nonsense and it drives me crazy and, I, and if those people pick my horses i just don't want to even play the race so i don't, I don't watch it <laughs> for the most part you know i just turn it off you know one thing that that i do remember that was you know i i watched religiously were the recap shows that they used to do after the races like the you know you see the replays like mm-hmm. if you couldn't get to the track or whatever i right. used to tape that every day and then i used to make a horses to watch list basically like you know like you said your dad does like a oh, yeah. like a black book full of full of winners or what I thought were going to be winners. Um, <clears throat> you know, horses that get bad trips, stuff like that. I do it for the for the Belmont, like the, you know, from basically like mid-May to, to the end of June or end of July. And then August, you know, all those horses, you see them come back. Got a lot of winners that way, man. I but take- we don't have anything like that now. I, I guess there's no need for it because you know, you know, everything's you said- digital. You know what used to drive me crazy was I would set it up to um, to tape it. I would tape the metal in night, and I would I would tape the Naira races. Is when like something overran like a Mets game. Oh yeah, and, and they only and like they screwed like, up the first race. Yeah, because you know you only you only were were uh, taping for thirty minutes. Right, and, and then, it cuts off. Yeah, it would come on and 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 uh, you'd miss like half of it. I, I used to make me. Oh yeah, yeah, that definitely used to happen. Yeah, because um, back then it was on Sports Channel. Yeah, right, Sports Channel. I mean that that was that was the thing though, man. We used to, like like I said, we used to tape it every day. Oh yeah, I I had specific tapes. My I had I got got my parents to to buy me a bunch of new, you know, blank VHS tapes so I could tape those shows, and then I, I, I had I, them, I labeled them. You know, with the with what date it was and which ones were on that tape. I had I had them up to man, not that long ago, and I think I mean not that long ago, maybe a decade ago, and I'm pretty sure that my uh, my ex wife uh, threw them out, so burned them. Yeah, another reason. Get, I had a, you know what I had another reason not to get married. I I had the. Uh, I, I'll never forget it because I used to watch it so much. 
I want to say it was the year Spend a Buck won the Derby. I taped the whole broadcast that was on ABC, I think, at that time. And one of the distinct memories about it was uh, the guy with the, the, the white hair, Frank Wright. He interviewed Mig, and he kept saying that he had the biggest hands of any jockey he's ever seen. And he's riding Majestic Prince. Majesty's Prince? Majesty's Prince, yes. Yeah, yeah. See? Joe Canty, trainer. He used to like the soft turf, that horse. It's amazing I can remember shit about horses from 40 (laughs) years ago, and I can't remember where I put my keys. (laughs) (laughs) On a a daily basis, I lose. Burned in my brain, and and I remember Angel was like my favorite rider, and... and... Yeah. I was like, how did he how did he just go and nobody catch him? I didn't understand any of it at the time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, how come nobody caught him? He just let him run like that. <laughs> Same thing I see all the time. How are they how are they just gonna let him walk to the lead in the twenty five second quarter? Yeah. How? No, those those were were great times, man. Anyways, uh, well, we've talked for a long time. Probably banned from Stronic tracks. Um, insulted quite a few people. <laughs> so you're saying the show was a success? <laughs> big success, big success. <laughs> Sorry, it's long. If you're one of the people that exercises during the show, then. We don't want the blame if you happen to have a heart attack. Yeah, you pass uh, out. But if, if you get super fit and you're like Richard Simmons uh, of the modern we want the times, credit. We, we want, want the, credit. the credit. Yeah, yeah. Right. we want the credit. We kept your interest while you were getting your uh, your, your steps in. Um. Anyways, see you Wednesday. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost Wednesday. I kind of think I, I feel like I, I forgot to talk about something, but I'm sure it'll end up in a column this week. You'll remember. Yeah. I can't remember. Anyways, um, well. If I if I if I do remember and, and there's something that I wanted to speak about that I didn't speak about but I can't remember right now we'll talk about it in the space on Wednesday. All right, that's what's up. All right, uh, sounds good. And thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. Absolutely. And um, oh, we saw uh, your guy. He got um, what's his name? Um, Joel Campbell, Joel, Joel, Joel. Uh, Jay, what? He, he, I gave him a. He got swag the other day. Oh yeah, I saw that. That was good stuff, Joel, yeah. my man. And, I, and it was funny because uh, I had three left, and it was him, I believe, his wife and his daughter. And uh, I didn't think I had any left, and I was like, "Hold on, I might have three left." And I did. I had three left, so he got the last. Three. Nice. He got. Damn, he got hooked three. up all over the place because he. He he was here uh Fourth of July and I hooked him up with some stuff too. Yeah, man, he's 
He's got the swag. He's the swag man. He's he's leading the pack and and going in circle swag of which there's not very much. It's rare. It's rare. It's a rarity. We did but... not. We did not overflow. Flood no, we don't want to. We don't flood the market. These got to be exclusive. Exactly. Um. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll talk tomorrow. Well, I'm confused now. <laughs> it's Tuesday. <laughs> it's almost Tuesday. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll be on the spaces on Wednesday, and um... let's do this. And uh, may the horse be with you.